The impossible. The impossible. The impossible. The impossible. The impossible. The impossible. The impossible is only the untried. Welcome to episode six of The Impossible Is Only the Untried, a prologue performing arts podcast. My name is Mandy E. McLean, and I am the project coordinator for the collaboration between Prologue Performing Arts and the W. Ross McDonald School for the Blind. In this podcast, we are sharing findings that are being discovered and questions that are being asked when we think about how to make performing arts more accessible to youth from the low vision and blind community. A team of professional theater artists and the fabulous students of W. Ross McDonald are helping us discover techniques and strategies through our exploration and even fabulous questions. In this episode, I'm going to share with you some exciting discoveries we've been making with the class through our exploration of sound with Dora Award-winning sound designer Richard Farron. Over the last two weeks, we have been experimenting with sound directionality. Two important areas we explored are, one, moving sound to establish space and the movement of characters and objects in that space, and two, elevating concrete sounds of movement in a space. For each of these explorations, we use the school's auditorium, which includes an elevated proscenium stage and two front-of-house speakers that send sound toward the audience. So let's get into it. For our first exploration, we focused on moving sound. For this exploration, we added an additional four speakers and a subwoofer to the system. In theater, the term for pre-recorded sound or sound cues when played through a system of speakers is called a playback sound or a playback cue. We programmed the system to be able to run from front to back of the house and from left to right. Therefore, we created a boundary of sound for the performers and audience to exist within. For example, we tested this with the class using the sound of a race car traveling throughout the space. Richard played the cue and moved it around the theater. And when sitting in the audience, all the students were able to follow the sound around the space. Cool, right? And we did this with only six speakers and a subwoofer. So imagine how effective and specific this directionality could be with a setup of like 20 speakers or more. One student even said it felt like the car was coming toward them. The subwoofer played an important part of this as it gave depth to the sound and dimension and created an immersive experience. It made the seats vibrate whenever there was a lower sound that occurred. Landon and Alessia, who you met in the last episode, were really both game to play. So I asked them to jump up on stage with me, and with Richard at the board, they were able to fully orient based on the movement of sound between the front of house and on-stage speakers. This allowed them to find directionality toward the audience, and also toward each other as scene partners. This is also amazing because when you consider this from the audience perspective, it can help strategically place focus in a way that visual cues would for a sighted audience member. It helps carve up the space and therefore helps tell the story. In the following class, we looked at how concrete sounds can be elevated and how floor condenser mics can support this. We were curious since sound is so helpful when orienting and identifying, maybe each character needs a sound to help suggest when they move. Cool, right? Normally in theater, we try and make shoes quiet so they don't detract from the other stage elements sonically. But in this case, they help the students understand directionality where the characters were in space and their quality of movement. And since our play takes place in winter, it makes sense that the character would wear clunky, noisy winter boots. We asked each student to experiment with a different type of footwear. And since we have a wheelchair user in our class, We played with attaching things to the chair and getting her to wear different gloves and different types of jackets so brushing her sleeves would create sound. For the cane users, we tried different cane tips. We even did some silly things like putting dog toys 
you met my puppy Mulder in a previous episode, into Alessia's shoes, which we thought was just going to be funny, but it turned out to be one of the best sounds we tested because it bumped up what sounded like just a regular squeaky sneaker on a gym floor. For someone who can't see, they could tell the different characters by their shoes. They may not know their name, but it kind of tells them. This is a different character than, I don't know, five seconds ago by what they have in their shoes, how they're walking. Next, we added condenser mics lined up across the edge of the stage. Since we're working on a proscenium stage, this bumped up traveling of characters from stage left to stage right through the front of house speakers. This allowed the audience to orient to the action on the stage and focus their attention to where the character was traveling. We even tried different surfaces in alignment with the condenser mics. And we even tried bubble wrap, which made us wonder, should designers start thinking about how their sets behave sonically? Instead of making things be quiet so they won't detract from the storytelling, maybe we can begin to think about how a place set in a kitchen sounds like a kitchen as the characters move around, instead of only looking like one. Sound is an amazing piece of storytelling. And as we've learned, the more strategic sounds you can incorporate from the initial concept of your storytelling, and the more you can use techniques and strategies to create directionality, the less you have to use audio description for storytelling as sounds will take place of visual cues for people in the low vision and blind community. Because after all, some of these students use sound as cues in their environment on a daily basis, just like those of us who use visual cues. The thought process I'm having for this is uh, how do we convey that same information that we take for granted as sighted audience members um, to be able to be conveyed in a purely uh, through sound. So that's what led me to thinking about, oh, can we distinguish the characters simply by how their footsteps sound, or if they have something on them, or is it their, their, the sound of their wheelchair, or their cane, or they've got a keychain or something, so that um, without needing to see anything, we know who's entering, you know, we know where they are. Thanks, Richard. Next week, Richard will be exploring transformational sound, and I can't wait to hear what happens. I encourage all of you to come up with questions, and if you are interested in exploring more, please reach out to Prologue to continue this conversation. Visit www.prologue.org or find us on social media at Prologue Arts. And here's those amazing students to send us off. The impossible. The impossible. The impossible. The impossible. The impossible. The impossible. The impossible is only the untried.